0: Welcome everybody to the Boiler Alert Podcast with you as always. I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're here with you Sunday night. Our clocks have been jumped back an hour. We're ready to go for Monday when Purdue basketball officially starts. Ryan, are you excited?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, I got that extra hour to sleep. I am rested and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And right after work tomorrow, I can watch it.
0: I was I was going to ask if you were going to go to the game or if this was just because of the time of the time of the game it's probably going to be tough for you to get there right Yes and I lose an hour as well Right right so yeah it's it would be real tough for you to get there cuz is it tip off at 5:30 Eastern That
1: sounds right I
0: I thought that okay. was very weird um mm-hmm. but you know we'll take it so mm-hmm. if you if you've been paying attention to social media you know uh Purdue plays Samford Tomorrow, or I guess today, this is being released on Monday, in the first mm-hmm. game of their season. Samford, of course, continuing to have a lot of fun on social media, and I gotta ask: Is this the best use of social media by an underdog since UMBC beat Virginia?
1: Um, probably. Um, until you said underdog, I was gonna say it, my favorite was the uh, elf thing. Oh well, yeah, up.
0: yeah, those were good too. Those were good mm-hmm. too. Um, but yeah,
1: I mean, anything to make it lighthearted and fun, yeah. because let's be real here, Samford's not going to have a shot at this game, so you're going to have to make it memorable somehow.
0: Right, right. And an interview, um, that Casey and I did with Matt Painter should be coming out, um, tomorrow, and I asked him if he'd seen these Samford videos, uh, he did not take the bait. He was like, yeah, I've seen him. And that was just all he would say. Um, which was unfortunate. I was hoping to get him to uh, to break a little bit and say they were fun or whatever, but uh, he was all business. So uh, just look Ooh. for that uh, probably tomorrow as well on the site. But overall, I think they're doing a great job over there um, with uh, Graziani going for the tip, Five, seven and a half going to go against Zach Eady. So question, do you think they're actually going to have this guy do the tip?
1: They better. I mean, you're... <laughs> At, at what point do you realize, okay, we're not going to win the tip over a seven foot four guy anyway, so let's just put our shortest guy out there.
0: Well, and even, I mean, even if you win the tip, the game is not won at the tip. I mean, it doesn't exactly. really mean anything. It's possession. And maybe mm-hmm. you can say, you know, get a hot start, I guess, on your first possession. Hit a big three or a dunk or something. But, like, it, it doesn't make a huge amount of difference. Mm-hmm. So... I really do hope they run this guy out there 5-7.5 against Edie. Um, that'll be a lot of fun to see. Just because, like you said, Sanford, they kind of know where they're at and uh, they know what they're getting into with this game. So it, it should be a fun one, I think. Absolutely. And I think <laughs> I
1: i can only imagine what the crowd at Mackey Arena would do when this happens too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I, this obviously is not going to happen. But imagine if he did go out there and actually won the tip over Zach Eady. I mean, that would just be outrageous, right?
1: I feel like if I was the cr- in the crowd, I'd go even more nuts if the guy won. Like, right? It, yeah, right.
0: you're almost cheering for them.
1: Right. I mean, people in Mackey know ball, and they can respect a athletic guy who pulls off that milestone. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Um, so Purdue did have one final exhibition. Not a lot you can glean from this one uh, against Grace College, 98 to 51. Purdue won uh, this one last week, and I mean 98 and 51 in in a NAIa uh, Grace College. Granted, a very good in a, NAIa in team. I don't know why I can't get that, um, <laughs> but still, they're they're a lower division team. Purdue had no trouble whatsoever they Purdue wound up on a thirty six to seven run at one point, so you don't get a whole lot from this. This is like what we talked about during football season. You know when you beat an f c s team, what did you really learn? Not a lot, so that's kind of what I feel about this grace college victory do you, do you see anything different
1: yeah it's it like we talked about in the last podcast it's there's really not much to talk about it um but it's good coming off a win if nothing else because If you take only the Arkansas exhibition game, maybe that leaves a somewhat sour taste in your mouth. This leaves all doubt out the door. So it's like a tune-up game for your tune-up games. Right. Yeah. uh, There's, like you said, it's an FCS game pretty much. It's equivalent to it. You don't want injuries, and you can help uh, kind of figure out your wants.
0: Yeah, and Purdue had no injuries in the game, uh nothing of concern, so that's always good news coming out of exhibition season.
1: Can you do a buy game for an exhibition?
0: I mean, I suppose
1: hmm, never really thought about that because I would think you know i I know like all the opening games are almost exclusively buy games, but I don't know if like exhibition because Grace College is in Indiana, right? correct. Okay, so I would think you just set up something that's close or mutually beneficial in terms of, like, the Arkansas exhibition. But I don't know. I'm not a schedule maker.
0: Just yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, about. I assume Sanford gets some money uh, to come to West Lafayette, yeah. even though it is an exhibition. But I would it's obviously it, – it can't possibly be as much – or I'm sorry, Grace. I'm sorry, Grace probably gets some money uh, to come to West Lafayette, but it can't be the same as a regular season game, I wouldn't. Probably. Yeah, so You get to be our punching bag, so we pay you. There you go. Um, and the game on Monday is at 6.30 Eastern, so it would be 5.30 for you uh, over in Central Time. So, yeah, that would be very tough uh, for you to make that one on time. But game is on BTN on Monday. So before we get into that, I want to look. I've got a couple questions for you about basketball season, and I want to get kind of some just quick opinions from you. Okay. All right, Purdue has a pretty, pretty difficult non-conference schedule. I mean, we all know some of the names on there. Uh, Xavier at home. Then they go to the Maui uh, in Honolulu, Maui Gym Invitational, and they're going to play Gonzaga. We know that one for sure. Now, other than that, we don't know who they're going to play, but that field is loaded. It's got Tennessee, Syracuse, Marquette, Kansas, Kansas. I mean, just absolutely loaded field. Um, well, and they then, will
1: play either Tennessee or Syracuse, right. right? Yes. In the second round.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But we just, so I mean, somewhat Yeah, we just don't know for sure. Um, and then go into Big Ten season, but then Purdue also plays Alabama across the mm-hmm. uh, border in Canada. The North. <laughs> the Great White North, yes. And we also have the game in Indianapolis against Arizona. So, I mean, the non-conference is absolutely loaded. There's, of course, some cupcakes mixed in there, but that is that is an incredible non-conference schedule. So, I know we don't know the exact opponents yet with the Maui invitation. However, looking at the, the big-name games that we know, so Arizona, Alabama, um, Gonzaga, and Xavier. So, those four games that we know right now. Mm-hmm. Of those four, and I'll throw in Tennessee-Syracuse, because, as you said, we've got it narrowed down to two opponents. Of those five games, how are you looking at Purdue coming out of that? 0-5? 5-0? I mean, where? what do you think?
1: I, I think, ideally, you want Purdue to be 4-1 and one out of those games. And because I think that, obviously, Purdue is going to be ranked ahead of every single one of them. None of those teams are going to be number one, number two. Um, but it's... The problem that we somehow did not see last season in um, the PK-50 is they had to string three straight games together, and this is the reason why all of the hype came for Purdue was that they were able to not look sluggish against Gonzaga, Duke, and West Virginia. So I think... Ideally, you say 4-1, and one, and then, honestly, maybe 4-2 and two if you get to that championship of the Maui gym right. against, like, a Kansas. Now, that obviously would be against the number one team in the country. So, you know, it's not a bad loss on a neutral court. Yeah. Um, but if Purdue wants to prove that they are really top-three caliber... They need to win these games. I know Tennessee. I believe they're top ten right now. I think they're eight or nine.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Um,
1: that's probably going to be one of the more difficult games if you play them. Um, and I, it's it's going to be rough for Maui. Yeah. Because that is, like you said, a completely stacked um, field. But you get Xavier at home. You essentially get a home game for Arizona. You get to go to Zach Eadie's home country against Alabama. So, if nothing else, the crowds will help for these games. And I think Purdue can come out 4-1. I wouldn't say, I would say no worse than 3-2 out of those five. But there's a real shot they go 5-0 and oh in those five.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty much right on the head. I think they need to come out at least three and two, but I do think four and one or five and zero is a possibility. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. what they did last year in the non-conference undefeated, and they had another real tough schedule as you um, you know talked about there in the Phil Knight Tournament. So mm-hmm. it's I mean it's going to be it's a very tough schedule, and especially in Hawaii, it's three days in a row. They're playing no- Monday, November twentieth, Tuesday the twenty first and Wednesday the 22nd they got three games back to back to back as i said we know they play gonzaga on that monday and then they're going to play either tennessee or syracuse depending on who wins who loses and you know then they'll match up and then the third game again it depends on how the tournament goes we just don't know we could play everybody anybody anywhere from Chaminade to kansas um you know who who knows but it's going to be a very rough non conference, but we should know so much more about this team, even you know, just two weeks from now. Um Right. You know, we'll we'll know so much more about what they can do, how resilient they are, and how they match up against some very, very good teams in games where Purdue is prepared, Purdue has been uh preparing, Purdue has scouted these teams, unlike what they did in that um exhibition game against Arkansas where Painter just said I I didn't we didn't prepare for this game. We wanted to mm-hmm. see how the team would play, um, and there's something to that. I mean, we'll see if it works out. But uh, I'm really excited to see what the team can do now that they're they'll put in that work in the film room. They'll know the tendencies of their opponents, and Purdue will be ready to play.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it's really the non-conference schedule that in recent years that has really propelled these Purdue teams. I mean, we all know about last year where they went up crazy in the rankings to get into Mm -hmm. the top five, but there was also, I want to say 2018 where they beat, um, Arizona and Tennessee in back-to-back games in their, uh, holiday tournament. And I think Arizona at that point was number two in the country. um, so, it's these non-conference holiday tournaments that actually... It's it's like when you're sharpening metal. Metal sharpens metal so much better. So, it's great to have these tough opponents if you can win. I don't think Purdue's a team that can get buried by their schedule. Just because Matt Painter is very good at the opening stages of a season, getting going, and... Um, honestly, with how much brought back on this team, I don't see them having too much difficulty with these games just because all five of your starters are back and you're bringing more talent. You didn't lose that much. So if they can take an extra step, they're even better. And they ascended all the way up to number one in the country last year. Like, If you're better than that, high hopes for this year.
0: Right, right. And I, I looked up while you were talking to see the last time um, when Purdue and Arizona faced, and you are right, it was in 2017. So it was the 2017-2018 season, and Purdue walked away with a victory there. Um, and that was, and let's see, that was the battle for Atlantis.
1: Okay, gotcha.
0: Yeah. And so that one actually, it was Purdue lost um, to Tennessee in a very close game in that one. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Battle for Atlantis. Yeah, we lost seventy-five to seventy-eight in overtime to Tennessee, and then we beat. And then we actually we lost to Western Kentucky the very next day. Uh, lost okay. by four, but then came back and beat Arizona eighty-nine to sixty-four, and Arizona was ranked number two at the time.
1: Right, okay, that's, that's yeah, sparking my memory because they lost the two, everyone thought the world was ending, and then they beat number two, um, Arizona. Just like everyone called it, they would right. play Arizona.
0: Right, but it's, yeah, that's right because everybody thought the two, Purdue and Arizona would meet in the championship game, and we met in like the sixth place game or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then they, I mean, that continued them on, and they Purdue then took down number 17, Louisville, in their next game, and then mm-hmm. just kind of started plowing through victory. Right.
1: Yeah. So these non-conference games can really be a nice springboard, especially into a Big Ten that is never easy. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. So that leads me into my next question. Purdue, of course, mm-hmm. won the Big Ten last year by two games. Um, does Purdue repeat as the Big Ten regular season conference champion? I'm going to say yes, but – I was. I, 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 I could leave, tell there was a caveat coming. I was like, he's going to go more.
1: I will leave the option there for them to tie, for me, co-champions with Michigan State.
0: I That still counts as a repeat champion to me.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, Michigan State also brought back a lot
0: of yeah. talent. Yeah, Michigan State's going good.
1: Yeah, they're projected to be very good as well. I believe Purdue and Michigan State only play once this year, and correct. it is in Mackey. correct. So that may be the one game that carries Purdue over. Oh yeah
0: yeah I mean that 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 could be the game that ultimately decides the conference champion
1: right yeah. So I don't I don't think that Purdue got a bad pull for its uh, conference schedule in any way. Um, and if Purdue progresses as we all think they will, it should be a much. Much smoother, not necessarily more or less wins, but smoother. You feel better about the way Purdue's going to play.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, but I do agree with you there. You're you're not going to get much disagreement, I think, on, on the basketball front right now. Um, I think right. Purdue has the, the best chance of anyone in the conference to uh, win the title. So that would be a back-to-back uh, for Purdue. I think it's going to happen. Um, I'm not really worried so much about what's going to happen in the Big Ten tournament, uh, but obviously it would be nice to win that one as well, just back-to-back in both of them. But the last question – well, I, I take that back. I have two more questions for you. Can you give me one <laughs> one kind of outrageous prediction? doesn't have to be team-wise. It could be player-wise. Uh, but I'd love to hear just one bold prediction from you on this next basketball season.
1: I, I don't think I'm going to go with the very easy answer of Zach Eadie's going to make a three. Okay. Like I feel like that's a very popular bold prediction, and I'm not gonna go with okay. it. Okay. Um, I will go with I will go with Lance Jones gets on the All Defense team.
0: Okay, I'll take that. Cause that that would be big for this team. Um, a hard nosed defender who maybe can can generate some steals and some easy buckets. Um, I, I would love that. I would love that for him. Uh, and this mm-hmm. team, you know, especially even though. The numbers don't show that they've struggled on defense. Last year, you, know, they, uh, you go back three or four years, and they were getting down there um, until they turned it around. So it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, go from Missouri Valley Conference all-defense team to the Big Ten all-defense. That'd be quite okay. a jump for him, a really impressive feat.
1: Now, I think the caveat with that is that means he breaks into the starting lineup.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and he was the starter in, in the two exhibition games. Right, and he retains that. So
1: um I think I think that's bold enough. Yeah. Zesty
0: enough. I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. Um, do you want to hear mine? Of course. I'm 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 gonna be the cliche guy, and I'm my bold prediction is Purdue goes to the final four. Okay. It's okay. It's something we've all thought the last few years, ever since Carson Edwards got us within, you know, a tip uh, from a free throw to the Final Four. And mm-hmm. the team maybe doesn't have that dynamic guard like Carson, but I-, I do believe that they are such a complete team that they can play together and they can get to that Final Four, and we can all breathe a huge sigh of relief when they get there. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I think Zach Eadie came back for that very reason. He didn't mm-hmm. want to have that last season's loss be his last game at Purdue. And I think we are going to be really damn impressed with the way Zach Eadie plays this year. And I hope the rest of the team around him sees his fire, sees his drive, and reaches the level that they need to to get him to the Final Four.
1: Right. Okay. Um, So have you bought your tickets to Phoenix yet?
0: No, I have not bought uh, any tickets yet.
1: Uh, Marissa told me to actually do that because we did that when the Final Four was in New Orleans, okay. So, um, make sure you plan out your uh, early April.
0: Yeah, I will. I will. I actually have um, a couple of people I know live in Arizona, so okay. you know maybe I can maybe I can uh, swing down there and stay at their house, save me a couple thousand dollars on a hotel, probably.
1: Yeah, that or you know, company. Company retreat to Arizona. Yeah, company retreat.
0: Exactly, exactly. So anything else you want to talk about about basketball season before we head to our break and get into football? Um, I was going to ask
1: which one of the newcomers do you think is going to have the biggest impact? And when I say newcomers, I'm including Heidi and Bird.
0: Yeah. Do you include Jones then, I assume? Yes. Okay. The
1: first time they'll be okay. playing.
0: Yeah. Man, it's hard not to say Lance Jones. Um mm-hmm. just because Painter's put him already in the starting lineup, he seems to really trust him and I've really liked what I've seen from him defensively. And it it's his length and speed might be something that Purdue doesn't have on defense. I would really like it to be Colvin um just because he's a different player than Purdue has on offense, but right. it, it's so hard to to take that role as a freshman whereas Jones, you know, is a is a an older player. So I think I'm going to have to give it to Jones. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, I think that I'm, I think it's going to be Jones as well, but part of me is starting to see the role that Camden Heidi is also getting. And um, as you said, there's not many players like Colvin, but there's also not many players like Heidi and Heidi is kind of one of those guys. I feel like one day we're going to be saying he does everything not, He doesn't do one thing, like, explosively to the point where he's putting up a 20, 25-point game, but he'll get a 5 by 5 You know, that seems like the kind of um, stats Heidi can get for you, but um, but you need those guys on your team. You know, you're not going to have 10 people scoring in double figures a night, but if you have a guy who contributes everywhere, that is Fantastic. Right. Um, so it I, it could be Heidi, but I think it's more possible to be Jones.
0: I get that. I get that. I think it makes sense. Um, so there we go, folks. There we're, we're looking ahead. We're excited about basketball season starting on Monday the 6th against Sanford. We're going to take a break, come back, look at what is going on over on the football side. Ooh. And we are back. So – Purdue football heads into Ann Arbor. They lose 41-13, to and mm. the offense continues to look very, very bad. Um, trouble on the offensive line, people shuffling around the whole game. You never know where anybody's going to play. Um, Purdue did score 13 points, seven of them on a garbage touchdown uh, at the end with just a few seconds left, but that still remains the most points that Michigan has allowed in a game. So, you know, I guess there's something there. Uh, but 41-13, to 13. Purdue did cover the spread, for those that were wondering. Um, but, man, that, that offense just does not look good. They can't put anything together. No wide receivers are really standing out. Purdue couldn't get anything going. Um, Ryan, what, what are your thoughts about this game, just in, in general? I, I have a question that I want to ask after I get your thoughts.
1: Well, my first thoughts of this game were... It's not going to count. Um, just, you know, three years down the line, this game will be wiped off for a uh, scandal from Michigan.
0: Yeah, un- unfortunately, we don't get it counted as a win if that happens.
1: Yeah, but hey, you know, we're still going to claim uh, Big Ten champions from 2022. I mean, we're going to do it. So might as well call this one a win, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um. But, yeah, the offense remains um, – it's hard to put in words what the offense is doing. They're stagnant and not is what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they put up over 250 yards of offense, which is better than previous weeks, against a very good Michigan defense. Let's, there's no two ways around it. But it's just – Every week, they seem woefully outmatched on offense, and they're, it, it starts at quarterback. I know Hudson Card does not have the deepest receiving core in the Big Ten. We understand that, but it comes down to the decision-making of Hudson Card, where it's nothing seems right. Yeah. It always seems to be a check down to someone who gets absolutely blown up at the line of scrimmage, or it's a slant. It it feels like nothing over five yards can be completed by Hudson Card.
0: Yeah. 12 and,
1: of 28 is not good. No. <laughs> um,
0: and, I, and it seems like we're always – we're throwing horizontally so often instead mm-hmm. of vertically. I mean, he's throwing halfway across the field for like a two-yard gain or halfway across the field and gets blown up for a loss. I mean, I don't understand the play design. I don't understand the play calling. And Hudson Card needs to make faster decisions. That's Mm -hmm. partly a result of the offensive line being in shambles. But, you know, part of the reason he's getting, uh, you know, flushed out of the pocket and struggles to find open receivers is because he finds himself on the run because he's not making those choices fast, and it's it's a chicken or egg thing. It's like is he always on the run because of the bad offensive line, or is he always on the run because he's not making he's not seeing his reads quick enough, and then he has to bail. Which you know you bail it makes everything harder. You're you're looking downfield. You're trying not to get hit. You're deciding if you want to run. I mean, there's a lot going on in the head of a quarterback, but he doesn't seem to be doing himself any favors. Um, even with that bad offensive line in front of him. Yeah,
1: and it's it's difficult. I you know it, it's a compounded issue with all of the different things going wrong. And it honestly feels like the Purdue receiving core is made up almost entirely of slot receivers. It always seems like you know the best route for a Purdue receiver is a slant. And honestly, that's what Hudson Carter is good at throwing. But you have to live outside of the hash mark. So it comes down to, is this really what Ryan Walters and Graham Harrell alluded to was, hey, we have a system that's going to work, but we just need the talent behind that. And it's just not here yet. You know, is it coming or is it a broken system? Right now, I can tell you, Purdue fans are not very happy with Mr. Harrell no. and his offense.
0: Nor should but, they be.
1: Right, and it it's a waiting game, unfortunately, where you don't know which is the propelling factor to this. You just see wins and losses. Right, and Purdue at two and seven now is. All but guaranteed, unless something academics wise comes down right, yeah. to miss a bowl game. But we we discussed this, you know, a few episodes ago. We don't know if Purdue will win another game this season. Yeah, you know, it's very possible they go zero and three and end up two and ten.
0: Man, that, that doesn't hurt.
1: help your recruiting no. at all. No, so you almost you need to figure something out so that this does not have a snowball effect. Now, I know the recruiting class for next season is very well uh, under Ryan Walters. He's done a very good job at recruiting so far in his tenure, but it's it's like you have to consistently do this to build a stable program, and year one is just as important as year four.
0: Yeah, it's so tough.
1: It's tough. I, I still have faith that Ryan Walters can do it. I mean, he's a very personal coach. He absolutely is on his player's side, and it's fantastic when you hear a coach say, well, I hate Nebraska, or you know, I don't think many coaches would have just straight up said, hey, Michigan cheated. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I admire that about Ryan Walters, just being so upfront, and I think players do as well, but Something has to be fixed this year to build some more foundation for uh, incoming years. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't envy the coaches because I don't know what I would do, especially given the state of injuries. I mean, who's what? What tight ends does this team have? Garrett Miller is in and out every week. Seems like Pfeffery's hurt. Um, Claire is now. A new guy, he's hurt. Like, who who do you even have? And I just – I don't know what kind of game plan you can make. If nothing else, Purdue will not play Michigan or Ohio State again. That's a plus.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so just focusing on the offense, Purdue scored just 13 points in this game, and it is now four weeks in a row uh, where the team has not scored 14 points. Four weeks in a row. Um, mm. This is this is from Jed's game wrap on HammerandRails.com. Uh, first time they failed to score more than fourteen points in four consecutive games since twenty thirteen, uh, where they scored just twenty one points over four games. Seven against Nebraska, shutouts against Michigan State and Ohio State, and then fourteen against Iowa. So, I mean, ugh, the offense just cannot do anything. We finally had. Uh, made our first field goal in 6 attempts and then we decided to go two in a row. So we we got two field goals in this game and a touchdown, but other than that just absolutely nothing cooking. So um I told you before we started recording I had a question for you. Um and it goes back to what you were saying there about Ryan Walters and I'm curious to hear your opinion. Um when Jeff Brom left, he took a lot of players with him and a lot of players left, you know, as a result whether that be because they wanted to play for Jeff Brom or because they didn't want to go through a coaching change or, you know, whatever that may be. We we lost a lot of guys who could be making a difference on this team. If Jeff Brom had stayed, do you think the team would be better this year?
1: Oh, absolutely. Com- comparatively, yes. I mean, I absolutely do not think they'd be sitting at 2-7 and seven right now.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I think they would be better. But I I, I question if Brom could do it long-term, because Uh we see the holes on this roster now after, you know, you you lose your good guys to the draft, and you get a few guys taken away via transfer portal, and Brom took his guys with him to to Louisville, and you begin to question, like, was this all a house of cards built specifically for last year? Uh Because the recruiting really fell off there's no lineman on the offensive side to speak of. The wide receiver room is just bare bones. Um thank goodness Devin Mockaby turned out to be, you know, good minus the fumbling that we saw again against Michigan. Um mm-hmm. but you know, Tyrone Tracy, you bring him in, have to switch him from wide receiver to running back. I mean, what what is going on with this roster that Jeff Brom built? It's it's not exactly um Not exactly covering itself in glory, which I think speaks to what Jeff Brom had kind of been doing the last couple years here at Purdue. Yeah, and you
1: know, so kind of to build on that, what happens in a couple years with Louisville? I mean, let's be honest here, Jeff Brom was gifted a pretty good roster and kind of had... I want to say the combination of two half rosters, half Purdue, half Louisville, and kind of meshed the best parts of both of those teams into a team that's, you know, they're ranked. They're doing pretty well. Um, But what happens in two years when Jeff Brom has to do the same thing he was doing at Purdue and it comes down to recruiting? That can fall off. So I... Don't know. I can't tell the future, unfortunately. Um, but I don't think Louisville will be in the same position they are in in two years. Yeah. That being so said, either. I can't say that Purdue's going to dig itself out of this hole very quickly. We hope so. We hope that Ryan Walters is the guy to do that. But it's it's always going to be an uphill battle. And let's be honest. Purdue is not a traditional football power anymore. Um, you do not have the kind of assets and funding, well, I shouldn't say funding, but assets and fan base and NIL deals. Yeah, that just like a, just a cachet
0: money. of name. You know, name means so much in college football.
1: Right. You don't have the brand. Let's be honest. Yeah. Purdue is, does not have the brand power as these other schools. But that being said... You're one of two premier football uh, colleges in the state of Indiana. And honestly, compared to the rest of the bordering states, you know, Illinois and Kentucky, you have a fighting chance. Once you go to Michigan and Ohio, that's where you go. Yeah. But you can recruit a large area and Indiana gets some pretty good football recruits. So Indianapolis is where Ryan Walters said he wants to focus on in the early going. He said so in his opening presser. So you can get these recruits. You can have it to where you have a competing team in probably one of two of the super conferences and You go from there, but as I said, it's an uphill battle, and you have to have the correct coach with the correct mindset to do so.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, I don't want to dwell too much on this Michigan game. It was tough to watch. Um, The defense did a lot of good, but, you know, they had a five- or six-minute span here and a five- or six-minute span there where they just couldn't get them – couldn't get stops, and ultimately that's where you know Michigan put their their points on the board. Um, but the defensive line continues to play, play great. Scorton and Jenkins continue to be the stars of this team, and I mean we can at least build on that because we hope those guys are going to be with Purdue for a, a a few more years now. So uh, that is the hope that we build on.
1: Yeah, and um, the one thing I kind of didn't mention, Ryan Walters is defensive coach. Like. I'm not saying you should be allowed to uh, completely disregard the offense when this comes, but we kind of knew this was coming, right? Where you're focused on defense more so, or you're you're less focused on offense because you're more focused on defense. It's not excusable, but let's be honest: there are coaches like that. Um, Kirk Ferentz is uh, one to name, right? So, it it happens. It's just, that's a really difficult way to win football games. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, and it's not always fun. It's not always fun to watch.
1: Right, and you have to have the talent behind you to do it. So, um, I just would like to say, I'm rooting for Michigan to win every single game this year just to have it ripped away from them. Ah. I would like them to become the national champions, And have it just torn down.
0: Hey, there's nothing like spite to root against the team. And it it would almost be the best of both worlds for Purdue because, you know, the the Big Ten shares the the fun, the money that comes in from all these BC, not BCSGs, uh, college football playoff games. So the further Michigan goes, ultimately the more money Purdue gets. So Purdue would get the money from a team going to the college football playoff. Uh, and then get to see it ripped away from Michigan, you know, in two years' time or whatever, whenever the NCAA finishes their investigation.
1: Whatever Harbaugh's an NFL coach.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like I said, I don't, I don't want to focus too much on this Michigan loss. There was some good things, you know, we we were able to kick some field goals and the defensive line uh, looked good once again. But you know, they've they've got to turn it around. Luckily, we returned home uh to ross aid next week when we take on minnesota at 330 i will be in attendance at that game so i'm really hoping to see a purdue victory i have the ryan walters gold sweatshirt waiting for me in west lafayette and i'm hopefully going to try to find some of that purdue ice cream so i got a lot of stuff to do when i'm back at purdue
1: you'll be at the basketball game too right
0: i will be at the basketball game i purchased tickets today to moorhead state so really looking forward to going to that on friday uh, football on mm-hmm. Saturday, and then we're looking into getting volleyball tickets for Sunday as well.
1: Okay. No, well, there's one other question. What you got going on Thursday night?
0: Oh, I'm going to the Neon Cactus to say goodbye to longtime Boilermaker uh, icon, Bruce Barker.
1: Yes, as as will I. I will be there as well.
0: That's what I heard. That's so. what I heard. So there you go. Um, Ryan <laughs> and I, we're going we're gonna to be at the Cactus on Thursday. So, you know, if you're there... Give us a shout out. Maybe run into us. Maybe we'll buy you a drink.
1: Well, or buy us a
0: drink. (laughs) Hey, you know I I make big adult money now, so I'll buy I'll buy uh, a fan a drink. Okay, fair enough. You you yeah you you you're the you're the young guy just getting his career started, so maybe I'll buy you a drink. There we go, there we go. So for Ryan and myself, folks, thanks for listening. Boiler up.